And welcome back to the Golf Intervention Podcast. My name is Eric Layton. I teach golf for a living, as does my friend Rob Fails. How you doing tonight, Rob? Doing great. How are you, Eric? I'm really excited for tonight. Everybody, oh, Eric, you're, are you excited? Eric's excited. How surprising. Eric's always excited. When it comes to <laughs> We're this, always fired up. <laughs> I think our, our pod, the official term of our podcast is fired up, I think. Yeah, I'm going to try to not say that a hundred times, but I'm kind of fired up. <laughs> so here's the story. This is why I'm excited tonight. We, I believe we've got a bunch of new listeners. You know, we can kind of follow this along. We yes, see where people welcome. Are. Welcome in. And I kind of wanted to say thank you for listening. I wanted to say that first. Rob and I were talking about what does the Golf Intervention Podcast, what are, what are we really all about? So we want to reintroduce that like you've never heard a show Mainly because there's probably people dropping in right now that have never heard us. Um, and so the, the things that we do, I think that's a little bit different, a little bit different is, and it starts with measured science. It's kind of new things involved in golf, uh, in golf instruction and in golf practice. I, I was driving in my car this morning, like I normally do on a Monday morning, dropping my kids off in carpool. Sometimes I call you and we talk. Today I, I tuned in for one big reason because this will this will kind of mark the day that it is in history. Uh, Nick Dunlap, a twenty, barely twenty year old, barely twenty year old, won a PGA Tour event. Did you tune in? I did. I didn't get to watch. Did you see any of it, Robbie? I did not, but yeah, it's incredible. Like I think I heard that he's the first amateur since Phil Mickelson. Yeah, it's, it's to win, which is amazing. I remember when Phil won as an amateur. You were not born yet, I'm sure. <laughs> no, uh, but I remember. I remember watching it on a little black and white TV that was in the corner of my grandparents' uh, dining room. Um, that they, we would turn yeah. on. We'd play cards and stuff, and put on golf or football. You know, whatever was the the sport of the day. So I remember that with Phil, but it's been all that time. And it was really, really cool. Now you he won the US amateur this year. You had a player in the in the quarterfinals, yes. right? One of the guys mm-hmm. you work with from UVA. Correct. So you were familiar. I, I wish I was as big of a fan there. I just I just hadn't heard of him, but I'm I'm really excited for the young man. He's got to be a dynamite mm. player. So Michael Breed this morning on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, I was tuning in because I kind of wanted to hear what was going on, what people were saying about it. And he had a college golf coach on, and it was not not Nick's golf coach, but, but you know another top Division One program. And he was talking about why do these why do these guys? It be really go back to Jordan Spieth, go back to um, Colin Morikawa. These guys are coming out and winning right away. And that didn't happen back then. Even when Tiger came on the scene, nobody really expected him to win right away. I mean, that wasn't really like the expectation back then. And so there were yeah, there was like a hilarious video of, uh, oh gosh, who was it? it was Tiger Kurt, was doing was an interview Kurt, with Curtis Strange, uh, Curtis Strange yeah. <laughs> saying, you're going to learn, right? And <laughs> He scoffed at Tiger. Oh, you'll learn. <laughs> you'll uh, learn. Curtis's yeah. biggest, he says, biggest mistake that he did in, in telecasting. Because mm-hmm. it, was, it was just... Nobody really came out and won, right? And Tiger won right away, and then he won the Masters to start the next season. So that, but that was really rare. So we're seeing more of it now, you know. Up until this, with with this kid, with this young man, it was just phenomenal, right? So anyway, the question was, why are they so ready to win? And the answer from the College Golf Coast was basically this. They've had access to great technology. Things we've been saying on this on this program. 
TrackMan, which is a radar launch monitor, bunch of smart scientists have surrounded. And there's other products too, but TrackMan is kind of the one people look at, the one we use. That's really yep. measuring the science of this thing now. And we have been able to now, for the last 15 or 20 years, I think teach at a much higher level than they did before. And so they can teach and they can train in a way that's unbelievable. So TrackMan does things called combines. It's like skill testing. I do them with my players. Some of you do them with your players. I'm sure the UVA kids are doing it all the time. And it's basically like giving you numbers to hit with your wedges. or other, And you're just hitting mm-hmm. and trying to get a measured sense of how well you're doing. This coach was saying these kids do it all day. I mean, they're, they're like all day they're doing these things. And they're just trying to build their skills up. And when things go wrong, they have a, such a great sense of their own swing because they understand their num- quote-unquote numbers you know i'm this type of player i have this type of shot shape whenever i'm playing well these are the things that i see in my path and my face angles and my attack angles and things that are important so when things get off track they get back on track pretty quickly so they spend their time training not spend their time trying to find their swing correct it's such a more efficient way to do things that's kind of what we're saying here. And then you kind of go transpose that because Jackie Burke passed away at 100 years old. He got Matt, former Masters champion. He won the Masters and the PGA in the same season. Phenomenal person in the game of golf. Phenomenal person in the game of golf. Teacher, player, mentor, facility owner. He just did, he just did it all. And he brought a lot to the game, but they were interviewing a friend of his, somebody he had mentored. He, oh, Jackie didn't like technology. You know, he was, <laughs> he was played by feel. He, you know, and he, he didn't want numbers. He just wanted to hit the ball. You know, you, the better you are at guessing, the better you are. And that was kind of how it was, right? And that, I mean, if Jackie Burke was playing now as a 20 year old, he'd be using track, man. I'm going to tell you that right now because he was competitive, right? That's just the way it goes. So here's what we do on the golf intervention, okay? And I, I don't know if tons of this is being done, but you and I talked about it, and we thought this is what should be done. We're taking data, data from all levels of player, just not, just not PGA Tour players, beginner golfers, intermediate golfers, elite-level golfers. We're looking at the data through data capture things like Game Forge is one, and there's other ones that people use. And we're looking at the data, and we're saying – what are the skills? We're kind of backing that down into the things that people need to do in scoring strategy to play better. Then we're backing that down into what we know from measured swing data. You know, like how do I develop these skills through things like instruction and track man practice and all these things we're trying to do. And then we back that down into how do I actually know what it is, what skills I need to work on, what are the gaps in my game, how do I find that out? And then how do I train in a way that builds those skills up? So you can see what this is what we're all about. This is it. And it hit me today when I was listening back-to-back interviews with the college golf coach, and Jackie Burke's friend, and that's sort of the transition that we're going through in the game of golf right now because of technology and science. We've embraced it. We study it to death. We teach it all day long. And that is why we have this podcast. Yes. Is there anything you'd like to add to that, Rob? No, I think that that hit on it really well. And I would just say that to add to that, 
there's a lot of context that's missing in the information space that we're getting on, you know, how, wherever you get your information, whether it be YouTube, whether it be Instagram, as just a leg offer looking to improve. Number one, we recommend that you find a coach. But then number two, if you're going to DIY, then there has to be more context behind the information that gets put out there. Um, who are you as a golfer? Why do you play? Where are you in your learning curve? Right. And then the, there are so many things that, that oftentimes get left out. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring more context behind what you're consuming as a golfer on a day-to-day basis. Let me give you a for instance that I ran across today, and then we'll get into today's episode, which is going to be awesome. So I was reading the Golf Digest today. Um, I don't think it was the most recent um, mm-hmm. one, but I was kind of I was kind of flipping through, and a top teacher wrote a little article about um, reducing dynamic loft on iron shots. This is the and the kind of the key thought was if you want to be a better iron player. Mm, you need to reduce mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. dynamic loft, and that can be maybe that can be true, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, for some people, I will tell you yep. that the slower your swing speed is, the probably the worse that. I mean, I'm making some generalizations here, okay? Yeah, but I will tell you that one of the biggest breakthroughs I've had this sort of past couple months with a with a lady player who's who's very very nice, lady, good athlete, kind of occasional golfer, and wanted to get better. I had to teach her how to have way more dynamic loft on her iron shots. And once she, well, on all her shots, and once she figured that out, which didn't take long, by the way, she's played way better golf. Okay. So again, the article wasn't bad. It was nicely written. The information there is good. It never once in there said, if you're this type of player with this type of club speed or this type of issue. Correct. There's a lot more context. Yeah. Needed. So this is what we're saying. Just be careful. And that's what we try to layer on on the Golf Intervention Podcast. So going back in time to last episode, which I hope you tuned into, one that we were very, very proud of. Uh, we talked We talked in this series about reducing the amount of shots that you take from the tee to the green. And in today's, in the last episode, we talked about short games specifically. We kind of quantified that as 39 yards and shorter off the green. And it's a really good episode. Now, really, if you haven't tuned in, please go back and listen to that. You don't have to listen to that first. It wouldn't hurt, though. Um, Today, we're going to take on, I think, probably the most mystical Mm. Of the and I say that because I think it's the most it's it's the hardest to wrap your mind around as far as your shots to green go and your and maybe all of golf, which is your yes. which is your approach shots. I think it's easier to see improvement in tee shots and understand how that affects your game. Definitely short game. That just when we improve at short game, it's easy to see that. Okay, it adds the score. You know, adds up more slowly in a way we're visualized. Shots to green, approach shots. This one's a little more mystical. And depending on the level of player that you are, different things become more or less important in this area. And that's what we're going to try to take on today. So I think we should probably start off with kind of maybe defining what approach shots mm-hmm. are. Um, there's a few subsets in there. And again, we use, we use a product called Game Forge. It's an app. 
or a web, you know, you can do it online. Um, and, and we think it provides great data. And so some of these, some of these definitions are really just from their thing, but really apply to anybody that play golf. It makes yes. sense. So you want to take us through that sort of definition and what those different quantifiers are there, Rob? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the technical definition of a approach shot would be the par value minus two, right? So if you think of on a par four would be your second shot, par three would be your first shot, par five would be your third shot. So par value minus two is going to be basically your approach shot. And then within that, going for greens as a type of approach shot, I wouldn't say it's it's exactly an approach. So when you're plugging in your data, this is not uh, what you'd put under an approach shot. But a lot of times you're approaching the green. You're trying to push the ball inside of 40 yards from the green. So I think of that as a type of approach shot. That's a a really big part of golf, right? Like th- yes. this is a really big, and I feel like uh, when we were talking about this, we, we had a phone call the other day. It was snowing in Virginia. So we both had a slow day. I, I feel like we talked for two, almost two hours. Uh, yes. It was, we should have just recorded the dang phone we call. We should have recorded that. One of these days we're going to figure this out because it was gold, <laughs> Jerry, gold. Um, it would save us these Monday nights. Uh, it was yes. really good. And, and what happens is Rob and I will, will kick back and forth like, how do we want to cover this? Because really some of this, we just put together these ideas. Um, we have epiphanies as well. I, I feel like this is making me a better teacher thinking through this stuff. Oh, me too. And, Absolutely. And so, and I thank you for that. So it, it's fun to do that. And, and I think what we decided was to start this off is like, could we get a big overarching picture of kind of like, yes. what is the development like just general? in approach shots when you when you start playing the game kind of what what it is that what is important for you and then how you develop all the way to sort of tour elite um and what is that what does that big picture look like as far as approach shots go because i will say beginner golfers and what they're trying to get out of that and what i coach them up on versus what we're coaching up like you coaching up a semifinalist in the, or excuse me, a quarter finalist in the USAM. There's yeah. different, <laughs> different things that, oh, you, yeah. that you're trying to accomplish. So could you take us through maybe a big picture there and what that kind of overarching differential would look like? Yes. And so to, to start with this, we'll just revisit the idea of dispersion, which would be, again, if you're hitting a hundred golf balls, if you look at where all of those golf balls ended up, it's going to look like a shotgun blast. And the shotgun blast is not a perfect circle. It's usually bigger in one dimension forward to back than it is from right to left or vice versa. So a level one golfer is averaging 88 or higher, and their shotgun blast is going to be by far the biggest. It is huge. It is, if you were to hold up, uh, you know, your hand, if we were to do finger dispersions, it'd be tough to get your entire hand in one side of that dispersion, just by how large it is. Mm -hmm. And it will typically be large right to left and front to back, but larger front to back than it will be right to left. And most of that is due to the disruptors Mm -hmm. and the amount of times where, you know, hitting it off the bottom of the club or, you know, we're hitting it fat or something to that degree. Right. Um, So it's a, it's a massive dispersion. And because of that, our targeting strategy for a level one golfer is to just reduce those disruptors and penalties as much as we possibly can. Yeah. And then as we move through 
you kind of get a big picture. You reintroduce the idea of dispersion again. Where all those balls are on planet Earth if I was going to hit a bunch of shots, right? Um, and so, do you do dispersion testing with your player, mm-hmm. like on TrackMan? What is it? What is an amount of shots that you feel like is pretty, pretty good to get an, a, an idea of? Yeah, I think twenty. That's what twenty I is kind of twenty is kind of a nice number. Yeah, and but do you hit twenty yeah. in a row? Or with the same club, or do you mix up shots? Uh, um, That's a I would, deep question. Yes, depending on who I'm doing. <laughs> <Right. laughs> okay, I got you. I got you. Um, so, yeah. so anyway, you can picture almost your approach shot skill by looking at that shape of your dispersion and the width and the depth. And, the, and, the, and yes. so um, as we get into what's important as far as the value of scoring goes um, – into you know if if you just picture the the first person like that wide dispersion we're just trying to limit <laughs> hitting it into penalty areas and yeah and that kind of thing greens and regulate we're we're going to get into this data but we're giving you this big picture real quick yeah. um, you're not hitting tons of greens and regulation so it's no. really about staying out of trouble I think it's about covering the distance you're trying to cover yes not necessarily getting it on the green and then staying out of trouble correct and if you completely go to the tour elite player you know skip skip across everything and look mm-hmm. at what they're doing it's about hitting shots in a certain skill set which we'll cover when we get to this that yep. maximize their ability to get the ball on not just on the green a lot of times but in a proximity that gives them an opportunity to score well as well so it's yep. a it's a completely different picture the intermediate golfer there in the middle is trying to develop that how many times can i get it on the green and you know i'm still trying yes. to limit things but just the big picture is like <clears throat> i can start getting on the green a little bit more often in regulation you know have a few more birdie putts stay out of trouble that's what i'm trying to do and so as my skill improves then my dispersion shrinks i get more predictable with where the ball's going i should be able to get it on the green more often and that's and that takes us down into like that picture I was saying about the tour player. It's not just about getting it on the green anymore. It's about really being close to the hole as often as Correct. they can be. So they're trying to make birdies. Beginner golfers are just trying to make a score. I mean, you can see how that changes the the picture. Yep. So that's that's the overarching picture. So let's talk level one golfer approach shot now we're going to go through each of the levels just like we do this is our thing on golf intervention podcast as far as that big picture we just kind of covered with what the what the pro shots look like the the biggest statistic the stickiest stat really for this whole thing is greens and regulation for sure yeah and so what does a level one golfer what does a level one golfer according to your stats there robbie what are they doing what are we doing in level one and what gets us sort of to that picture of going to improving in level two, like greens and regulation, um, dispersion? Yes. Give us a visual on some of that. Yeah, so basically to get to the very, very, very end of level one, you're going to need five greens. Doesn't seem like, doesn't seem like a huge ask. Um, Correct. Okay, so how do, we, how do we get there? So we got to first talk about our opportunities, right? Where are the opportunities for this level one golfer to get your greens and rec and par fives are going to be the biggest opportunity because you're going to be able to push the golf ball down there on your first and second shot to get 
as close to the green as you're going to get for that again that par value minus two shot so shorter basically dispersion on shorter clubs is going to be tighter for very lots of reasons which we haven't really detailed this although i was sitting around today thinking about something i was calling the six iron six iron hypothesis this was like during a lesson today and yeah. this will not surprise you because i'm like teaching i'm like looking at dispersions and you and i had had this conversation and it feels like the seven iron is like this big place mm-hmm. in the bag for a level one go really probably even level two golfer um where because of the shortness of the shaft and the loft and the ball position we can sort of manage some things with our swing shape and make good contact dish and control upwards to roughly seven iron in the bag, right? And then as we get yes. to six iron and down and into hybrid, things get tougher to manage at that point. So um, what you're saying is on a par five, I, I sh- hopefully if I execute a few shots, I can have a short club into my hand. Now, it, it also Correct. could be a short par four or a short par three potentially. Um, yes, Depending on where you play, Depending absolutely. On where you play. But as a rule, if we again just take par value minus two, you're going to be, on average, closest to the green on par fives than you will any other type of hole. So as a level one golfer, again, we need, I'd say four would be right in that. Again, using Game Forge's language, we have learning players to emerging players. Four would get you right in the middle of that emerging player, so averaging right at ninety. So you're going to be breaking ninety some percentage of the time. That gets you to four greens, but really to be able to get into level two, again, to get you to five greens, that's that's going to give you a good chance to do it. So if you have, on average, four par fives around, you can do the math. Not to say you're going to get every par five, but if you can get half of your par fives on the green, then you only got to make up two for the rest of the round, pretty much. And if you add in another one, there you are basically in level two. It seems like a reasonable ask. Although the, the big the big thing with level one, like we keep going back to every time we talk about level disruptors one, and penalties. Is disruptors and penalties, and yeah. what gives us disruptors and penalties is just making really bad contact. Typically, it's Correct. not like we're typically flushing it. I mean, we can have those, especially on the driver, where we kind of flush it, pull it way left, and we're you know so sometimes those happen. But essentially, the disruptors on the approach shot we're talking about, they're going to be miss hits, right? So take advantage of those opportunities when you get them. Par fours, yeah, maybe there's some short par four. Like we got to sneak one out, a short par three, a couple short par fours. Yeah, I was going to say your second best opportunity as a low-end golfer is probably the par threes, depending on the tee box you're playing. Yeah, all this is dependent on the course, right, of the tee box that you're playing. Correct. And how far you hit it because there's different, you know, obviously there's different levels. So we're trying Mm -hmm. to shoot the – we're trying to shoot the average here, just trying to give people a picture of who they are. Obviously, a level one golfer could look at themselves and be like, man, I shoot 80 – you know, I shoot 92 and I smash it. Yeah, okay. I mean, those happen too. We're just trying to give you the inside the bell curve. Look, because we don't know you, listener. We'd like to know you, but we don't. So we're just trying to give you a big picture here. So I – all we know is the big data that we've been big given. Data. It's all about big data. So you were t- you were describing to me earlier. I guess this is um, for the listeners' benefit. This is now twenty four hours later. We had a little moment. You know, we have lives, we live, and things yeah. happen. So we're recording twenty four hours later. So it was two days ago. You and I were talking, and um, you made a really good point about like the biggest 
biggest killer for level one is probably in the par threes when you have yeah. like a penalty in, area involved. Yeah, and really when you look at penalties in general, regardless of level, not all penalties are created equal. The penalties that you're going to get off of a par three are killer. I mean, they are really, really devastating. Whereas you can think of a time where, actually this just happened to me a couple days ago. I was playing golf, had a penalty shot off the tee on a par five, had really no issue making par from there. <laughs> it was fine. And so if you can, on that tee shot, on these par threes, if you can get as much of your dispersion in a playable area as possible for a level one golfer, that's going to be huge. Avoiding those areas where, again, you're having to drop and then hitting your third shot on a par three from however far off the green makes it really, really difficult. And this is where here I am, level one golfer. Dispersion is pretty wide with clubs that are longer than seven iron, like we were talking about. So you're familiar with the country club of Virginia. You work there where I work. Um, yes. The fourth hole on James River, this is a perfect example. Here I am, I'm a, I'm a bogey golf blue tee player. It's 173 yards and water short and left mm-hmm. and, and then mm-hmm. green that's extremely narrow and a little bit of a bailout on the right for sure. But if I'm, if I'm pulling five or six iron there or hybrid, my mm-hmm. dispersion is wide. I mean, I, so yes. to avoid to avoid at all cost penalties, I've got to have an aiming strategy here. I'm going to have an aiming strategy that might be actually off the green. So this is and yeah. probably is off the green to the right. So point being, when we're trying to level up from level one to level two, level one, we're trying to hit it better. We're just trying to hit it better. Level two, if I'm going to get there, I've got to learn to control the ball better. The dispersions have got to narrow so that I can have better aiming strategy for sure, right? And so these are pictures that play out. You and I see this every day when we're teaching, but Mm -hmm. if the listener can visualize, if I am pulling five iron and I can miss it very short, right, because that happens, I can pull it. 30 i mean you were saying is it 20 percent? was that the number yeah it's 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 eight it's about 18 percent. so let's round it let's round it to make it easy right (laughs) if i'm at 180 (laughs) yards you're talking 36 yards left and 36 yards right and that is how do i even aim for that right if there was woods on the right of that hole i I wouldn't have a strategy other than hit and hope at that point so for me to mm-hmm. so then I just do it. I just hit and hope and then it goes I get penalties a high percentage of the time. So we know we have to avoid penalties. We know if we want to improve, we've got to start being able to control the ball better. So level one hit it better. To get to level two, I've got to control that dispersion a little bit better, right? So that's the visual we're trying to create here. And that adva- that taking advantage of those short holes, it's kind of like playing poker in a way, in my opinion. This is kind of where you are. Agreed. You're taking advantage when the moment arises and the other times you fold, yeah. right? Like, okay, yes. let yeah. me not bust my chips on a par 3 180 over water. If I make bogey mm-hmm. here, great. I haven't lost anything. But what I don't want to do is make triple. Yes. So that's where we got to start strategizing a little bit as you play. So dispersion is large and aiming theory is tricky. Um, but it is. Uh, this is where you st- – and that's where we'll plug we'll plug Game Forge on that because very 
soon we're going to be coming out with very clear, very practical strategies for you to be able to use to identify what is the appropriate amount of risk. Because what we're not saying is, oh, just aim as far away from the penalty area as humanly possible. Because like we said in the last episode, you need as aggressive as you can without cost. So you got to figure out for you and how big your dispersion is, how close can you aim to the hole without really getting much, if any, of your dispersion in a uh, in a penalty area, especially on a par three, mm-hmm. especially on a par three. So par fives, got to take advantage when we get them. Get, get that, that, that yes. theory of like get me down there and get a, get a shorter club in my hand. If I can mm-hmm. do that two out of four times, awesome. Don't give anything yes. away on par threes and then take advantage of a handful of par fives or par fours, and yep. then we're, we're on to level two. That's what it seems like without yes. too many disruptors in the Absolutely. short game. We're on to level Correct. two. So as you – and again, we're going to do a second part of this episode that's sort of like the training aspect of this, right? We're, we're laying out the what's going on. Like this is who you yes. are. These are the big things you, I want you to think about because we, as we direct you down the path of improvement, you don't know what you don't know. I keep saying that, right? So this is what we're starting. We're just starting this discussion of what it is that you don't know about it, and then we're going we're gonna to give you some more insight into – how do I actually improve yeah. that in the second part of this episode, part mm-hmm. two? Uh, yeah. But we want to lay out the data in part one. So I don't yes. know that we have much more to cover on level one. Level two is going to be a big discussion. I agree. Yeah, I think we covered level one pretty well. Level two, big, 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 big discussion here. And I think that part of that is this is where the major, like the majority of you listening to this are probably in this yes. zone, right? And actually, the probably the majority of I don't really know this, but the majority of golfers in the country are probably in level two. You're talking about bogey golfer mm. to scratch golfer, like that's a large group yeah. of golfers. So, this is where there's a little bit of we're trying to gain control of our golf shots a little bit better here. So we've got to start hitting. We got to start being more predictable. We got to start hitting more greens. So what is the key? What is the key here as far as what does your data say here, sir, about how many greens we're kind of hitting in this range, taking us between yep. level one and level three? So like we said, five pretty much gets you right on the front border of level two, and then as we work all the way to the very end of level two is eleven greens. That seems like a big difference. That's a big difference. Seems like a big difference, and as I think as I yes. think that over. I've got to think that one of the biggest components of this deal is that as we're trying to level up is again, I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it better in level one, level two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to control it better. But as I'm moving through level two, I'm going to have to start. I think I'm going to have to start hitting it a little bit further, a little bit higher, and a little bit more yes. optimization of my ball flight, meaning things like yep. land angles and. And stuff like that. So yeah, I think I think to your point, the distance is going to be, I think two things really. Honestly, your ability to control face to path is going to be increasing, but then really the distance as well. Because again, to get you to eleven greens, you can't just rely on your par fives, and you can't even just rely on your par threes either. Like you got to hit it far enough to give yourself quality chances on par fours. Right. And so, like we said before, that here's my 
what did I call it? The six iron hypothesis. This is starting to come into play a little bit better too, because <laughs> yes. I think the first half of level two golfer probably still doesn't have great control. Like I could probably, no, they don't like they can, again, to get to middle of level two is eight green. So you can basically, if you do your, let's say you have a good round, you get three of your par fives and two, you know, three of your par threes. That's a good round. That's six. That means you only need two of your remaining par fours. So yeah, you don't really need to rely a ton on those quality chances of your par fours. But to your point, as you get to the end of level two, that's when giving yourself, you've got to have enough quality chances, like you said, inside a, a six iron ish to be able to stop the ball in the green. Right. And I, I don't know if I'm, I don't think I'm far off base with, with my hypothesis because how many times, like, listener, I want you to sort of think this in your mind. You're either currently in this place or you have developed through this place where you said at some point to someone, man, I. I'm pretty good from seven iron and down, right? And actually, mm-hmm. what's interesting to me, what I've found, and it, this happens daily, like in lessons, like we're learning, so like I hear that a lot. So a lot of times we can actually have a good drive, like put that ball on the tee, you got a good driver, you've kind of learned some technique, I can drive it in play well, but I still, you know, fairway wood hybrid, like there's a couple clubs mm-hmm. I'm okay with, but again, it's like seven iron, eight iron down. I'm pretty competent with in driver, and I think that yeah. that's where that middle of the road. That's kind of where the middle of the road is in level two. I've got to be able to hop over that and control my face path relationship here to be able to make that kind of contact that gives me predictable dispersion patterns to be able to hit the ball on the green more often. And if yeah. I'm not if I if I'm most of the time again not all the time but most of the time it's cutting across I'm cutting across it a little bit right it's that path that's out to in and as we're playing longer clubs it just gets more dramatic and more dramatic yeah. and more dramatic and then the the miss hits and the and the dispersion just get wider it's that long left short right dispersion that's hard hard mm-hmm. hard to aim on a hole yes so. I, I think that, that this the six iron hypothesis is real. And I think that that's going to be something that we're going to talk more about as we go forward. Um, so we kind of went through what we need out of those. I mean, you've got to hit kind of like our notes were saying from earlier. It's like you have to hit seven of the par fours to get into level three. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So you, I got to be putting for birdie seven times on average on par fours probably. That's a pretty – that's pretty – it's a great stat to hear. It's good. But you got to be pretty good to do that. Yeah. Um, yes. And so I go back to speed being a component here. Um, speed gives you height. Speed gives you spin. Speed gives you a ball that comes down and can go over things and land and stop more quickly. It gives you shorter clubs into holes. All these things are important as you're developing in that part. So this is where that, as we're developing through level two, it's really, really a big deal. So what about making, what about making more birdies? Is that like a big deal in this level mm. or is that not a big deal? Like where do we stand on the birdie side of this thing? Right. So it's in level two where your birdies and your doubles cross. Meaning that you're now making a birdie for every 
double bogey that you're making. And that's about averaging 77. Oh, wow. 78. Okay. That's interesting, right? Yeah. So uh, birdies are still not quite a thing because at that point, you're really not making a ton of double. It's, it's about one and a half, really. It's not much more than that. The, at the end of level two, what's coming down the most is your bogeys. Has to be. That's the steepest, right? And so this is where the, the shift really happens because, again, going back to level one, the double bogey is what – the double bogey and worse is what is coming down the fastest. And then, again, this is all in GameForge. Level two is early on level two. The double bogeys and the bogeys are coming down at about the same rate. Mm-hmm. Right? So now you're, you're cutting doubles, but you're cutting doubles at a lower rate because you're just not making right. as many. And you really start cutting more bogeys. But then to get through the middle of level two into the end of level two, now you're really not making many doubles so that you can't come down much more on that. You're starting to maybe pick up a birdie, but then the bogeys are dropping really fast. And your bogeys and your birdies don't cross until you get to 72 average, which is crazy. Yeah. So bogey, so essentially, if you boil that down, you're trying to make more pars. Is that, I mean, it's like, that's yeah. it. I, I got turning, turning bogeys into pars is how you get through level two. There's no doubt. I mean, again, you, you do need to still be cutting doubles. Um, but again, it's not going to be as fast or as, as much as you are cutting bogeys. And what cutting bogeys is, is hit more greens, <laughs> developing your short game, which is what we talked about in our last episode. Um, that's really where it is. Someone told me today they played 12 holes. Their first 12 holes last week were six pars and six double bogeys. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's, that had to have been a roller coaster yeah. ride right there. Yes. But that's the kind of yeah, – again, we talk on averages here. So we're, we're talking about like – Again, it's like a big data look. I'm taking, taking a bunch of stuff, putting it all together. And individual rounds are going to have their unique you know, yeah. uh, parts to them. So that's when I'm telling people like – Hey, if we're keeping, if we're trying to keep stats, like we've got to keep stats, right? We got to keep keep keeping yep. stats so it helps it so that it plays out over time. Um, so the the skills that we really need to improve from level one to level two, we kind of talked about. Like we we've got to mm-hmm. limit big miss hits, and I think that you're seeing that into the middle, like you were saying, into the middle of level two here, and as we're going mm-hmm. down to level three. Speed, huge important variable, and the face path. Obviously, we got to we got to be able to control the curvature of the shot yep. so that we can again have aiming strategies that are better. I've got to figure yes. out how to get the ball on the green the most often with a strategy, and it's surprising because I feel like still in this level for a lot of golfers they don't actually know how far they hit their irons. 100%. They're aiming their top 5% of shots. So let's let's talk about that dispersion, how we aim that. Like For level two, you're just trying to get as many of those golf balls, as many of the dispersion as on the green as you possibly can without, you know, without incurring a penalty, essentially. So aiming strategy is such an interesting thing. I had, I had a lesson today with a gentleman where – starting a, a series that we're working on trying to just this winter, trying to improve some stuff in his ball striking. 
And he got better last year. It was really cool. He went from 23 to, like you said, he's like a 16 now. So big improvement. Yeah, big nice. improvement last year. Worked on it, did lessons, got a lot better. And so we were hitting, and what I what I said was, here's what I want to do first, because I was thinking about my six iron hypothesis while I was doing that. I told him, too. I said, we use you a little bit as a guinea pig. So we hit pitching wedge, eight iron, six iron. And I think I did five, 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 and then we went five, five, five. Mm-hmm. So we did ten shots. We yep. did, So five of each, five of each, five of each. And oh, okay, gotcha. Yep. And so the, I... I should have screenshotted this. So, like you, this will not surprise you. The path number tightest on the, you know, his, he's cutting across a pitching yeah. wedge because of the shortness of the shaft and the steepness of the swing. He's only cutting across a pitching, and ball position, by the way. He's only cutting across his pitching wedge two or three degrees, hitting it almost dead straight. Then he gets to yeah. eight iron, and he's cutting across it four or five degrees, and it's starting to curve with an open face of, you know, four or five degrees. It's curving a fair amount. Consistent, but it's curving off the off the quote unquote straight line, right where he's aiming. Mm-hmm. And then the six iron. Yeah. Now we're starting to see some some bit, some pulls left and some short rights. And that visual on that of the typical like, um, you know, I have an open face and I cut across it swing. So mm-hmm. I asked him because I would say out of the what did I say thirty shots he hit, twenty four. Five of them ended significantly to the right of his target line, right? And I said, so yeah. when you're playing those shots, do you just aim left and let it fade? And he said, no, I just aim right at it. I said, okay, so let's let's look at your dispersion. So I put it up on the screen, and I said, here's where the green would be on that line. You know, we kind of like looked at a you know normal green size and just kind of drew a circle there. And I said, you'd yes. you'd have hit it on there. You know, most of the time you'd have missed the green. If you would have aimed 10 yards left with your eight iron, most of them would have been on the green. So this is aim strategy, right? Yes. We don't. Which is different than targeting strategy, by the way, because aim strategy is how you get the center of your dispersion on a good target. A targeting strategy is literally where you're putting the center of your dispersion. Could you describe that a little bit more in depth for the listener? Okay. Yes. So if, again, we've, let's say we've got a green and it's got, you know, water on the left side and your dispersion pattern, let's say you've got 15 yards from the left edge of the green to the right edge of the green, but your dispersion is 25 yards. You're a level one or level two golfer. You're not worried about making birdies, right? You're just trying to hit as many greens as you can without making doubles or or bogeys, right? So if you put the center of your dispersion on the middle of the green, there's going to be some amount of your shot pattern that's going to be in the water, right? So we need to move the center of your dispersion to the right until all of those golf balls, or as many of the golf balls as we can, get onto dry land. And where the center of all those golf balls is, is your center of dispersion. Now, what Eric's talking about is your aim strategy relative to your target. Because this golfer did not know where he needed to aim to get the center of the dispersion where he wanted it to be. And so if you can understand how big your dispersion is, and then where where your center of dispersion is relative to your aim, now you can target. Now you can play golf. And... 
again, without using some of the GameForge finger dispersion, I literally have no idea how you would do this, yeah. <laughs> right? So just be on the lookout coming coming pretty soon. We're, we're going to really start to um, to give you some actionables as, as far as taking this from the range to the course. Yeah, I mean, your best is just guesstimate, right? Like you're just trying to – Right. And that's what PGA just, Tour players have been doing for a long time. Like you get the caddy out there and they're saying, you know, aim at the B on the sign behind the – you know, like – that's essentially what they're doing. They're trying to they're trying to give them yeah. some type of is that twelve feet left? Is it you know whatever? Point being, yeah. we all have dispersion that we're dealing with. We all do. It's tighter with better players, and it's wider with worse players. And the symmetry of of what that looks like with better players is a lot different than what it looks like with with struggling players. And so, those are things that you need to to think about if you're a if you're a typical level one to level mid level two, um, the big thing there is typically a pattern that looks long left and short right. Okay, that's just kind of what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not a it's not a oval. It's a crooked oval because that's what's happening. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we're swinging across it. Sometimes we square it and pull it. Sometimes we miss it and hit it to the right. So we're trying to figure that out. So you're going to have bigger misses left, but you got to play that strategy to play the percentage game. So, yep. as we're moving on to being even a better player, this is where this is where you may say, I, I need to figure that out. Like, if I want to jump levels out of the middle, this is where I think a lot of golfers get kind of narrowed into. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that shoots like 85. Is that, is that, I mean, we're like in that range, and mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm on a, somewhere between occasional and avid golfer, you know. And I just get stuck right there. I just get stuck right there. And for me to improve, I've got to start improving all parts of those things that we're talking about. Meaning, I got to get more predictable with my dispersion. I got to hit the ball further. I got to be able to play my six-five hybrid, hybrid fairway wood driver more consistently. And what I need to do that sometimes is swing changes. Sometimes I've got to I've got to get my mechanics to improve for that to happen. So this is where you kind of like, you look at what is my next step? Well, when you're talking about something like aiming strategy or targeting strategy, these things we're talking about, that's just sort of you're on the course and it's too late. Like, here I am. This is what I'm bringing to the table today. I can do really good things with that. I can max out what it is my skill set will bring to the table today to play a competent game of golf. For me to get better, I need to change things. If I'm going to get to this level three golfer, which we're about to talk about next, I think, unless you have anything to add to level two, mm-hmm. no, we have no. got to we've got to probably do some things in a much higher level because it looks to me like that golfer's hitting twelve plus greens, or like you're talking about yes. two out of three holes you're putting for birdie, and yes. you're making almost no, I mean, very very few doubles and triples at this point, right? Yeah, it's going to be less than, again, if we go, let's see here, level three. Are we talking about I level three? I think we're now? on level three. This is, this is, okay, this is scratch golf or on, to tour elite player. Yeah, so if we're on level three, at the very, very beginning of level three, if we're talking about doubles, even that player is making one and a half. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Right, right. Right. 
So it's not much. Not much. You know, you have a bad day. You make a couple bad swings, two doubles. The next round, you got to make zero. Yeah, it's about one, actually, as I'm See looking what I'm at saying? it now. Like, it's, yeah. How many – I mean, I feel like, for me, when I got to this level, it felt like double bogeys almost disappeared. A lot of that, for me, was short mm-hmm. game, I will say. But, yes. you know, the ball striking has to be to a point where you're missing it in good places to get it up and down. From. Correct. So give us a visual yep. as to what, from an approach shot, this level three to tour elite player is doing that's so, like – yeah massively awesome yeah i think like what we talked about earlier like level one you're shrinking the dispersion mostly from front to back as a result of taking away disruptors right level two it's still shrinking from front to back because your vertical impact spot on the face is getting tighter you're hitting it low on the face less high on the face less but i would say the right to left portion of your dispersion is probably getting tighter at a faster rate then the forward to back dispersion is getting tighter because you're controlling face to path. You're controlling heel toe strike variance. And like we said, the speed is also getting better at level three. Both are coming down, right? The forward to back and the right to left dispersion is getting tighter and you're optimizing how it's getting there. There's a land angle. There's a spin component that gives you a high degree of predictability of if this is where my golf ball pitches, this is where it's going to end up. And so now not only do you have a very tight dispersion to aim, but then you also have a high degree of predictability of what your golf ball is going to do when it lands. So it's fair to say now we're going to start talking more about, because i, I got to make birdies here. i got to make more birdies while Correct. not making any more double bogeys. And so, Correct. This is, where, this is where the strategy has to change. Because is into level I got to start yep. hitting it. I got to start hitting it to approximate. Uh, part of the t- part of it is I got to be okay. I want to be on the green putting for birdie, but frankly, because I need to start making more birdies, I got to start hitting it closer to the hole more often. Great. And that twenty foot Correct. range is something we've got to put ourselves into as often as we can put ourselves yes. into it. Proximity becomes a very big deal. So if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of club head speed for the tee that you're playing, you can't be rolling balls onto greens and playing it alone. You, it's, you can't do it. You no. can't do it. Okay. Now can't. if I'm someone who's aged and I'm not hitting the ball as far, move up tee boxes. If you still feel like you should, that's the way to do it. But if I'm in, if I'm, yes. you know, again, sort of inside the bell curve golfer that we're talking about across the country, we've got to be hitting the ball high and with spin, carry bunkers, stop the ball on the green. So we can hit it closer to the hole. And as you get to tour elite player, what you're seeing is a short game. Okay, so here we go back. We're talking strategy here a little bit. I'm so good Mm -hmm. in my short game that I feel like I can take on more risk, okay? Yes. To try to put myself into a birdie situation more often, right? Yes. We see this time and time again. I've told this story once on the pod. I'm going to tell it again because it's relevant. So um, at, the end of, at the end of the Dominion Energy Charity Classic, which is, which is a Charles Schwab Cup event, playoff event on the Champions Tour that we host at our country club. So my role there is to run the practice facility. And then basically when the leaders tee off Sunday, I'm basically done. Like I've worked my 75 hours for the week. And I either go home or like – 
This year, my kids came out. My father and my kids came out. Phil Mickelson was there. He played two years. One one year, and the next year he he didn't play very well. So this was that year. It was the next year. And so I walk out on the course. I find my father and my and my two oldest kids, and we're walking around. And so we get to the eighth hole, which you're familiar with at CCV, which is a very uphill um, sort of like the greens almost blinds a very tough par three from the tee they're playing. It's probably over 190. I don't exactly know where they were that day, but it plays more uphill. And then the green is very tough and there's a bunker on the right and it's narrow in the back right corner. So this flag is cut back, right? Okay. So t- I just watched Phil hit one on the par five off the tee shot. That was 120 yards right of the fairway. So he was not controlling his ball very well that day. So, he gets up there. Obviously, he's left-handed. This is a back right hole location, 190, uphill. And he sits there and has this conversation with his caddy, his brother, for like two and a half minutes, it felt like, where he was like, okay, so what kind of – am I going to play a rounded hook in there? You know, he's left-handed, back right. Should I Should I start it out? You know, and he's talking. I'm like, how in the world – like, Phil, you put it in the middle of the green. You take your two putt from twenty. Feet. This is me. I'm tired. Yeah, like I'm tired at the end yes. of the week. I'm like, what are you like thinking this stuff to myself? So what does he do? He tries to take on this whole location. He dumps it in the bunker short side, and I'm like, ha! See Phil? Like in my mind, I didn't say this out loud. So yes. you know what he does? He almost holds the bunker shot. Right? <laughs> hits it to <laughs> literally hits it to six inches. And I said, oh, you know, this is a perfect example of what we're talking about here, right? For yes. him, there was no situation around that green that he didn't feel like he could get up and down from, right? That's Phil always kind of believes yeah. that, but there's no penalty area. There's no – so he went for it. Why? Because even from 200 – you know, playing like 200 uphill, Phil feels like he can hit it inside 20. Like, I can do that shot, mm-hmm. right? And if I miss short-sided, I'm Phil Mickelson. You know, I can get, get I can get it up and down. So this is why you go back to the last episode and talk about short game. <laughs> All this stuff starts to come together, right? So yep. as you're talking about, again, you're talking about targeting strategy and whatnot. I guess we have to determine for the level of player that you are, because we're not all Phil Mickelson, by the way. You know, maybe the greatest short game mm-hmm. of all time. Um, how bad is the short side, right? We're trying to – is it, is it going to be like a disruptor? That is the question. Does it play like a penalty from there? Can I even get it up and down from there? Or is it something I'm going to have a reasonable opportunity if I take on yes. the risk, right? Correct. That is the question. How badly do I not want to be short-sighted? That's what's going to determine your targeting strategy for sure. And I wanted to actually go back to a point that um, – we talked about Hunter Brown actually having a really great point when we're talking about shots gained, shots lost, and how a lot of times a double is more than double the penalty, right? Right. Well, to that end, if we think about a level three golfer, you are gaining more by making a birdie than you are losing by making a bogey. And we actually see this at 72 average score, the birdies and the bogeys cross over. So, this is what we're talking about is that if you have gotten to this point, and this is why it's so dang hard to get from averaging 76 to averaging less than 76, because to get to that point, you have made your money on double bogey avoidance, bogey avoidance, putting as many golf balls on the green as you possibly can, lag putting, two putting, getting it up and down as much as you can to, to cut all those bogeys. And then to all of a sudden now have to 
say, okay, I'm going to change my strategy now to start to see how many of these balls can I get inside 20 feet, understanding that you're going to short side yourself more than you were in your previous strategy. But what you're gaining from the birdies, again, a birdie, you're gaining more than you're losing from a bogey. You're going to gain in the long run by making birdie relative to what you would not, if you're not making those birdies, just hitting it in the middle of the green. You're going to get a couple up and down. You're going to maybe even chip one in if you're that good. Your short game is going to be to that level. To Eric's point, you've got to be to the point now to where you trust your short game to be able to target closer to the flag. It's really mind-numbing how good those guys and gals on that tour elite level really are. It's really – yeah. and to be able to do it, you know, they're not playing the conditions of, you know, your normal setup of a golf course. Like the tees are so far back when they're playing. For ladies and men, I mean, those ladies are playing a long golf course. Um, mm-hmm. The men are playing super long. Even the champion store players are playing super long. And – the ability to control shot after shot after shot after shot after shot. It's pretty phenomenal. Watching the champion store guys for the last eight years, it's interesting because there's there's a few of them that you would say, okay, those guys still hit it pretty far. Like, Bert, or excuse me, uh, Podrick hits it far. He hits it really far. I think Podrick would be a well above average distance on the PGA Tour. Ernie still hits it far. Retief hits it far. But there's plenty of guys who play great out there. Bernhard being one, they don't hit it very far at all. So they're playing black tees at CCV, which you're pretty familiar with. That is not – that's 70 – Not an easy golf course. probably, and not easy. Mm-hmm. You're talking William Flynn Classic, tough greens, tough green complexes. Um, and they just swing after swing after swing after swing, hit it good. You know, David Tom, Stephen Alker, like – it's just such yep. a pure strike. So level one golfer, you think about how do I build up to Bernhard Langer? Then <laughs> <Right>? we <laughs> love creating a visual of this, right? Well, who knows? Have goals, right? So it's like I got to hit the ball better. I got to start hitting it and carrying in my approach shots the distance that I think I should be hitting it, right? Like that's yes. the key. The, the right-left dispersion is still going to be pretty wild. But if I can get mm-hmm. some of those on the green and, and start being a little predictable with, again, probably seven iron and down, I can start to play some pretty good golf. As I'm trying to progress now down through the 90s into the 80s towards the 70s, I've got to start controlling my left and right dispersion more. I've got to start bringing that tighter. Why? Because i got to more predictably be able to put the thing on the green. I just have to be. I have to make more pars. I have to. I've got to avoid penalties in a predictable way, and I've got to make more pars. And then as I get to trying to push towards level three and even into the tour realm, I've got to be able to hit it far and high and predict it and get proximity Mm -hmm. and take risk on at times, have a short game that I can really rely on. Those are the pictures of what bring us together in all three of these levels from the skill set. And that's the, that's the, that's the picture of it. And these guys and gals that are tour elite, because I'm going to tell you what, there's some ladies that are absolutely unbelievable ball strikers. They control the ball yeah. in a way that's absolutely phenomenal. So we're not just talking men's tour. We're talking ladies tour. Um, yes. That ability is just absolutely phenomenal. So we're going to talk about in the next episode too, how do we get there? 
right? It's not just saying, here's all the Correct. things you got to do. Good luck, right? <laughs> We're hoping to give you a little bit That's more. That's very much what this episode was. All right, you got to do this. This is all right. Have, have fun. <laughs> um, but again, I think in the way that I teach, which you've seen for many years, and the way that I think you teach in a lot of ways, a lot of times we're trying to help people. Even in a one-on-one lesson, we're trying to help them draw out of themselves an ability to play better golf. We're not indoctrinating them with crazy amounts of swing technique and all this stuff. It's saying to you as, hey, guess what? You came here because you don't know what you didn't know. This is step one. Mm -hmm. We're kind of telling you what you didn't know, okay? This is a picture of what you're trying to work towards to improve. How you're going to do it, we'll get to in the part B of this episode. But this is, and I think this more, this is a great episode unto itself because once you know, a lot of people tell me, Eric, if I just knew what I was trying to do, I could do it better. Right. And I think that's all we're trying to accomplish in this one. Um, It's like, Know what it is. Really understand where you're trying to go. Because a lot of times it's like, Eric, i got to make more birdies. i got to make – well, no, you don't have to make more birdies. We just talked about this, right? The average tour player is making three and a half a round. What's the average, you know, 85 shooter? One? Point seven? Yep. Like, it's not a huge difference there. There's other things we need mm-hmm. to be worried about. There's a hierarchy of – things we need to accomplish that i think that's what we're trying to lay out in this episode i think yes we did it well do you have anything to add here to either level three or to the or the episode in general here rob no i would just say that um as we look at as we look at birdies i think just a couple things that you mentioned the um in positions which would be inside 20 feet but really if we're talking about making birdies the sticky stat when it comes to that is actually going to be your blackjacks, which is going to be your inside eight feet. And so think about where that happens is par fives. hundred percent par fives. Right? So par fives are not only par fives are not only going to be maybe for level one, your opportunity to hit the green. Um, but it's also for level three, your opportunity to hit it inside of eight feet. And so your ability to get the ball inside 40 yards um, for your approach shot. So not your approach shot being inside 40 yards, the, the par value minus three shot ending up inside 40 yards is going to allow you to have the best chance of getting that, that par value minus two shot inside eight feet. And then you're going to throw in some short par fours, right? You might get a, it's pretty rare to, to get one on a par three, but that's going to happen every now and then, but really you've got to hit it far enough on the first shot really far enough on the second shot to get it inside 40 yards if you can if you can't get it inside 40 yards then again it's probably still to your advantage to get down there as far as possible but there's some data that shows that maybe 80 yards would be a a bit of a better idea to try to get it as close to um but yeah i mean i kind of like um you know scott fawcett says this is like if you can get reasonably if you get just one shot on the green on a par five. Like if you stood there and hit 20 shots and you can get even one on the green, it's probably worth it to try to get it on the green on your second shot on a par five, just because the proximity to the hole is so huge for your birdie opportunities. If you can get inside 40 yards, that is going to be your, your best chance. So that's the only thing I would add for our level three golfers. Again, our, our birdies and our bogeys need to cross. We're almost not making hardly any doubles, but to get the birdies as high as they need to be, 
getting it inside 40 yards on par fives is going to be your way to do that. That's all I would add. Yeah, and so I think that gives a very good picture of what's going on there. That's why guys are trying to hit the ball further on the tour right there. Yep. One thing I will say. Make it easier to get inside 40 yards, yeah. I think that it's, a sh- in my opinion, a shame that we, we're not going to see what Bryson DeChambeau is doing to golf courses mm-hmm. right now. This guy is hitting the ball miles, okay, miles, and it's going straight. He is decimating golf courses. Now, we're going to see it, I guess, probably the first time at the Masters this year. He'll be, I assume Mm -hmm. he'll be there. Um, Yep. I can't wait to see it. I mean, I'm I'm upset that we don't get to see it more often, but it is (laughs) something to behold. And if he's, if he can continue on with what he's doing, if you, if you want to watch his, watch his YouTube to see what's going on. I want to say he's carrying mm-hmm. the ball pretty consistently close to 340 yards on his kind of like, and he's hitting it dead straight. You know, it's, mm. it's his fairway finder is 195 ball speed or something. It's like some ridiculous. That's incredible. Yeah. So he's using a, he's using a long drive driver brand as crank and he feels like he can just hit it straight all the time. And it looks like he's doing that now <laughs> and the pressure of the masters versus like making a video with Rick right. Shields. We'll see. But the point being, he That's shot, so he funny. shot 58 yep. in a tournament recently. He's decimating mm-hmm. golf courses, right? So you can see what speed does, you know, it's just all the best players of all time hit it far. They all did, right? They all hit it far. There's a great story about Ben Hogan too, just to kind of, <laughs> put a bow on this proximity game ben hogan uh was going through his career and he was was having a little bit of a time and his wife didn't really pay that much attention to what he was doing she would knit or read books or whatever when he played like it wasn't he's ben hogan and i'm his wife and 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 he was complaining about not making enough putts i'm not making enough i'm not making enough putts and ben was like crazy worker right like crazy and his wife said, you know, Ben, you should hit it closer to the hole, and then the putts would be easier. And this is exactly – she was telling him – she was giving him the P20, right? You, yes. You're not going to be making 30-footers all day, Ben. You're not. No. You've got to hit it closer if you're going to want to make yes. better. So this is an advanced metric that she knew way back in the, who knows, 1940, 50, whatever era. <laughs> so I think that it's yep. – Sometimes the wives who don't—I mean—they'll just give you some sage advice. You just gotta—that's right. Just gotta listen to what they're saying. So, point being, yep. I think that that gives a big picture. Let's go back through it and summarize again. Hey, if you're if you're gonna want to have to get something out of your approach shots, you first gotta hit the ball solid. Seek that out. Secondly, control that face path, really meaning that you're not just so dispersed with where the ball's going. And third, you got to yep. work towards optimizing things like height and spin and speed and all these things. And that's yep. going to bring you into being a good player. And then obviously now the targeting strategies become more important as you go through. We got to hit it closer to the hole, the better, um, closer to the hole sooner, right? That's sort of the big picture. The sooner I get there and the closer yeah. I get there, that's going to make me a better player. So those are the things that we have to do. That's what we need out of our approach shots if we're going to improve. So we'll be back with another episode on how we sort of train those things. How do I get myself through those levels with training? What is it What is it I need to recognize about my game, and how do I work to improve it? Anything you'd like to add there, buddy? We did it. We wrapped. It was, it was a 24-hour recording marathon brought to you. 
<laughs> and we're glad to be on. Um, if if you're a new listener, yep. thanks for tuning in. If you're someone who's been with us, thanks for continuing to tune in. We're glad you're here. There is a Golf Intervention Facebook page now, so we'd love to interact with you on there. I'm going to put some pictures up. Um, say hi. Let us know where you're listening to from. Uh, glad you're tuning in. I hope everybody has a great night. We'll be back at you soon.